And with that gaffe, Doug Ford, like, stuck a knife in my heart. May 12th. Oh. Are not. Yep. Um, Brontario is 0.97. Keeps going up. Mm-hmm. Bit by bit by bit, but still under one. Hopefully, no. there's a margin error there. Mm-hmm. It could be above one, but. Is this a good time to talk about the Toronto versus GTA thing, the graph you showed me earlier? Or are you going to talk about that later? Hmm. Yeah. No, that's fine. Um, that was I interesting. I saw this on Twitter. Ed Tubb from the Toronto Star posted it. Um, and it was outbreaks I mean not outbreaks cases here we go yeah oh no that's not it <coughs> okay daily case counts uh-huh. over time rolling average and so there's a blue line that shows that in Toronto the proper city of Toronto daily case counts have been staying pretty similar since about April 24th. So what the graph shows is it looks like everything was climbing. GTA and Toronto proper were Mm -hmm. climbing kind of together up until about late April. April 22nd or so. Yeah, April 22nd. And then all of a sudden you see a drop in the GTA numbers. Well, they both came down a little bit. A little. For a few days. But you see a sustained drop for a GTA and then they level off probably at about a th- like kind of the two thirds the number of the Toronto numbers which basically leveled off there's a slight drop and then they level okay. off so I still don't think we've said what ha- this is shown here oh right but Toronto so in the city of Toronto mm-hmm. daily case numbers are holding steady just under 200 cases per day um, and have been since about April 24th or 25th. And in the GTA, they dropped a lot further. So their daily case count is, say, about 125 a day. Mm-hmm. And they seem pretty stable now, mm-hmm. too. They're not dropping either. Yeah. Um, but... Toronto definitely leveled out at a higher number than the rest of the GTA. Mm-hmm. Which I guess is to be expected because there's more density here. And is there more like a- action? Like not just density, but like there's hospitals. Like people, all like so many doctors and nurses have to go and like so many of them have to take, well, don't have to, but a lot of people do take TTC to get into the core. But that's all because of density. There's more hospitals right. because there's more people. Right, right, there's right. There's transit because there's more yeah. people, like more dense. Sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of things I have on my list to talk about. Mm-hmm. I'm going to talk with this, the quick things first. Mm-hmm. So um, I read an interesting article in the New York Times the other day that was that proposed a method for how we can find a new normal mm. um, in terms of going back to work and school mm-hmm. because 
I think the idea now, I mean, nobody really knows. We're all just going into this blind. But kind of the assumption is, is that we're going to start reopening society and then we're just going to have more outbreaks and then we're going to have to lock down again. Mm-hmm. And the authors are saying that that's going to be really traumatic and exhausting for everybody. Right. And they're saying, what if we do a four and ten split? So you have four days of going to school or work Mm -hmm. and then you're at home for 10 days. Mm -hmm. And that kind of takes advantage of the incubation cycle Mm. of the virus, right? That's a Uh, two week period. So even if you were to pick it up, you would basically be getting sick before you got back to work. Yeah, after your 10-day like break. So let's say you got infected on, like, day one. Yeah. Worst case scenario of you going back to school. Yeah. You're only... You're at maximum, you're infecting other people for four days. Yeah. But probably not. I don't think you're infectious immediately. Yeah, like, there'll be some ramp up for sure. Yeah. So So maybe you're infecting people for maximum day. two days. Yeah. One or two days. And yeah. then... Um, That's interesting. And then you're off for... Then, then you're quarantined or whatever, we're doing what we're doing now That's really for the next ten days, and then yeah. um, people would be symptomatic. And I mean, it would be the best if you were then tested, if you could get like if there was an easy test you could do before you went back. Like on, they didn't say that, but I was just thinking like after your ten days. I mean, I think we can pretty much, like, we're going under the assumption that the two-week period, if you don't show symptoms within the two-week period, you don't, like, you weren't exposed at the beginning of that Mm two-week cycle. But that doesn't account for asymptomatic people, right? Like, we know there's a lot of asymptomatic. Oh, I see. I see you're saying. Right. Um, But... There's also an argument that there's kind of a, um, a five-day window when people are most contagious. Yeah, like you're capturing, so I think you're capturing a big chunk of that. That's really interesting. Yeah. So that was a proposal that I thought mm. was very interesting. Yeah. And then you could have like shifts. So like, you know, this is week one where these people do their four or five days at school. And then the next week they're off and then like yeah so you have so then you have like so for example if it's school then you have half the number of people in school at all times too yeah because you have like on weeks and off weeks that is and at work very interesting so yes i did think it was interesting and i guess the new york times did too because they published it because that is, I mean, the, one of the things now UHN is saying when research does start up in the research areas, they're going to do probably a 25%, like their their stage one is going to be 25% of people in the building at any one time. And it sounds like they might go to two shifts during a day. So like every day you could potentially have half the staff come in. But, the uh, you know, you, you could do it with some sort of offset timing, like week one, week two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. That's yeah. Till looks like planning UHN yeah. stuff now in his head. It's very interesting. 
Okay, and then there was just some stupidity from the UK government. This was mm-hmm. a couple of days ago. I don't know if they've mm. corrected this or anything. But they came up with this alert level system mm. where they would have like COVID alert levels that go like one, two, three, four. Or uh, four is like, I guess, bad. Like forest fire risk. <laughs> one is good. Like forest fire <laughs> risk. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or back in the day, the terrorist yeah, risk. Br- um, and then on, and then the government also released this like mathematical equation for how they purportedly determined the risk mm. that didn't make any <laughs> sense at all. And Boris Johnson literally tweeted it on his Twitter account. But didn't explain. It was just so bad. So it was, and I s- didn't even write it down. I remembered it because just so terrible. Yeah. So it's the R naught. This is what it said. So the alert level is the R naught, which is like you so know. So let's call one it one. Let's say yeah. Five plus. It said plus. Yeah. The number of cases. Which is <laughs> 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 like four million. <laughs> so <laughs> then you get four million point nine. And somehow that gives you an alert level between one to four. It didn't make any sense. It was just huh. a math atrocity. Uh-huh. And but what are they getting at here? They're somehow they're I saying. Don't, I think what they're getting at is they're take they're determining this number by taking into account the R naught and the cases. But how many? Like in the last day, maybe right? Like maybe that's what they meant. The daily, the daily cases and the are not mm-hmm. and factoring them both in. But certainly you don't add them together. Mm. You're thinking, I see your eyes moving back and forth like you're thinking, like you're trying to make sense of it. And mm-hmm. there's your mistake because it cannot be made sense of. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, so I'll leave it. Yeah. That's where the UK government. I was trying to think what was how that a couple like days someone ago. clearly knew what they were doing, I'm sure, and came up with something that made sense. And then there was a game of telephone, and the sense. I got think lost. you're giving them too much credit. No, I don't think. But I'm sure someone somewhere m- it made sense. And whoever made that graphic, just didn't understand. Yeah, that's how it always goes. Okay, now I want to talk about transmission, because this is one of my great questions and there's a fascinating (coughs) article okay i gotta find it it is by professor aaron bromage aaron bromage.com it's called know the the risks know them avoid them um it's just on her personal blog. She's a professor of immunology at the University of Massachusetts Dartmouth. So she's not an epidemiologist. She's not an expert, but she has a good science background. And most importantly, yeah. I found this article because it was retweeted by David Fisman, our resident epidemiologist here. No, he has no affiliation with the podcast. <laughs> but... <laughs> um, but we trust his opinion and he called it outstanding uh-huh. an outstanding analysis yeah so what she's saying she's saying to get an 
A successful infection, to pass this virus successfully, you need both exposure to the virus and time. Or, sorry, exposure to the virus times time, she's saying. So if you have a lot of exposure to the virus, like yeah. somebody sneezes in your face, yeah. then you need very little time <laughs> to catch the virus yeah. to become infected. But if somebody is just an infected person is just breathing near you mm -hmm. or breathing six feet from you, mm -hmm. um, that's going to take a lot longer for you to get infected. Mm -hmm. But we can see from case studies um, and clusters of infection that it does happen. Mm -hmm. It happens a lot. If So my takeaway from this which is loading. Okay, so the quote is, social distancing guidelines don't hold in indoor spaces where you spend a lot of time. Yeah. So the examples for this are, <coughs> the one that stood out for me was a birthday party at a church somewhere in the U.S. in mid-March. And it was like a very you know, important person in the church who was having a significant birthday and they really wanted to do this. They followed all public health rules that were in place at the time. The gathering was under 50 people. Mm -hmm. They sanitized everybody. Everybody was washing their hands like crazy. Mm -hmm. They were keeping everybody seated six feet apart. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't matter because they were there for hours and they spent hours together. And so when you have like, imagine like every minute as somebody's breathing or an infected person is breathing or talking, you know, 20 or 30 virus particles are coming out of their mouth. Mm -hmm. And over that two or three hours uh, in an enclosed space, it's just kind of, they just circulate with the air. Well, some of it. Yeah. I some think of it. Yeah. A lot of it. I think the idea comes the in droplets. I think the idea is, yeah, there's different sizes of droplets the way I kind of picture it. And the six foot rule or the two meter rule kind of is for most of the larger droplets they're gonna get to the ground like the ones that yeah. don't stay in the air would probably fall to the ground before they exceed mm -hmm. two meters but there's still you small proportion of the ones that are going to continue to circulate on small air currents mm -hmm. and the longer you're in that air mm -hmm. you're breathing it in potentially yeah yeah. So, yeah, it's just... You know what doesn't... Th so, the the reason... So, that makes it sound like it is to some degree airborne, right? That's what I was just thinking I was, as I was saying that. And that's not... I mean... It's not accepted. To some... D it is... D it's it's a continuation. It's a spectrum, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody's drawing a line and saying it yeah. is or isn't airborne. But most transmission is droplet. Yes, yes. But then you have these cases, and I think like there was another case of a restaurant yeah. where like you knew where the air conditioning vent was and wh the way the air was moving, and you can see very clearly that the infection of people in the restaurant happened downwind happened downwind yeah the thing this reminds me of is the the decisions that were made around ppe and the kind of the justifications for why n95 masks were a necessary 
broadly speaking for healthcare workers uh really anyone who was working with someone who was not a positive case for for covid and it was that people in airplanes never you can get a whole airplane full of people getting sick yeah you were only getting people in the adjacent seats getting sick yeah so so and you can you had like hours long flights it was interesting. It's a, yeah. I mean, it's a great. I mean, I think it's a very important discussion. There's some, yeah. There's there's some cumulative effect. It's sort of like yeah. like radiation kind of poisoning, right? Like the you <laughs> it's like it depends on not. It's like the level that you're exposed to, and also how long. It's yeah. not just one factor. Yeah, and it's not. Yeah, exactly. It's too simplistic to just say stay two meters away from people. It, that's it is. overly simplistic. That's overly simplistic. You need yeah. to take into account the enclosed space, which is why outside yeah. is okay. Yeah. We stand six meters away. Yeah, air is going to disperse more. Yeah. And yeah, it w- will be dispersed more. But like it's really. Like so, th- another picture is of this call center, which is a picture probably uh-huh. that people have seen. It has a bunch of rows on both sides of the floor of, of workstations. Mm-hmm. And one side of the floor that had an infected person, like about half of the people got infected, it looks like. Mm-hmm. But it's very like dotted. Like patchy. it's not, it's mm. very patchy. Mm-hmm. And then there's a few people on the other side of the floor mm-hmm. that got infected. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's not like it's just like hanging in the air and everybody's getting it it's it's not everyone's get so not everyone's coming down yeah well this is the thing i don't understand if you breathe in some virus particles a small number of them Mm -hmm. right like presumably everyone on that one side of the office where there's this patchy grid of people that are getting it yeah probably everyone breathed in some some number some particles some people fought it off right like is that what's happening like there's a few that there's a few people that it's i don't know presumably maybe the virus doesn't actually get into your cells in some of those people Mm -hmm. but in others it gets into the cells your body has it and has its way of dealing with the infection and it just you asymptomatically fight off the infection so if you checked you would see if you check for antibodies, you'd yeah. S- you'd see the antibodies potentially for more of those people. Hmm. Possibly. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I... And she also makes the point, too, that um, it's very difficult. Very few... Clu- no, no clusters. Or one cluster has been found from an outdoor site, I think from all the published studies and all the case tracking. Uh-huh. So, yeah, it's an interesting article. I don't know that I did it total justice here, but hmm. point is that we should be worried about coughs and sneezes and enclosed spaces. Mm-hmm. Enclosed spaces are bad. Mm-hmm. So if you want to see somebody who you're social distancing from, meet them outside. Mm -hmm. That's a good takeaway for the summer. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and related to that, I guess, clusters, a sad, a sad thought that David Fisman posted. Mm. So he said, something that raw case counts don't show is how often COVID-19 is clustered in families. Mm -hmm. Someone brings it home from a job, infects parents, brothers, sisters, some of them die. Imagine how this will scar these families for years to come. (coughs) And I think that underscores the point that the vast majority of transmission of this virus occurs in households. Yeah. Like estimated 70 or 80% happens in households and we aren't addressing that at at all societally other than asking people to like quarantine themselves inside their own home which in a city like toronto is impossible when people live in small apartments we have nowhere for people to go so like if they become exposed so you think so the safest thing you could do would probably is go to a hotel then. Like you yeah. should you should send but How many th- people have the means to do that? No, I'm saying well, societally we could pro- Societally we should we, we could be providing like yeah. covering people's costs for 2 weeks yeah. if you think you're exposed. But I mean yeah. Or if you test positive. Once you test positive, yeah, for sure <coughs> at that point. Or what ha- at some point like Symptomatic or, or you're doing positive. contact tracing of somebody and then yeah. like there's just no good way that a lot of people have to remove themselves from spreading it to their family, especially if you live with someone at risk. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a big problem. And I think and this point also just so when I found out the other day that Doug Ford daughters that don't live with him came to visit for mother's day for a family dinner Mm -hmm. and he said something to the press like well immediate family should be exempt like he was he was breaking the rules he was knowingly breaking the rules both of having a gathering of having a gathering of more than five people that didn't live together Mm -hmm. and he was okay with it because it was immediate family and that should be exempt And that is the worst possible reasoning because that is, that is the highest risk of transmission in that, in those situations. Yeah. Immediate family is where this is being transmitted. Yeah. As the last exemption. Well, immediate, does it make a difference whether the people are immediate family or not? It doesn't really. It's household transmission, right? Yeah, within the household. So if yeah. whether the two people, if someone, if two people come to visit for dinner, it doesn't really matter that they're f- immediate family or not. No. It's just. But I'm saying you, if you, you it can't make use it any that worse. as a justification. No, no, you don't make that any a justification. It's just the. Anyways, that made me absolutely livid when I found that out. I was like sick to my stomach. Yeah. Because it, of. It just tells me that he doesn't get it at all. Whatever it's poor leadership. sincerity and good leadership we thought he had at the beginning of this. He's been a good leader in some ways, but I think in this case, he's, I think what it, to me, what it shows, I, I agree with you that it's bad leadership. Like it's, you have to be seen 
to be the best follower of these kinds of things if you're asking people yeah. to do it. Like he just set back like the number of the people now who are going to just take this yeah. way less seriously as a result of his statements. Yeah. Like it's just. And the confusion that people, yeah. people were like, wait, was everybody else seeing their feeling? Yeah. Was I the only one that was like but sitting like a sucker at home? But I do think what he is feeling is probably a common feeling, which is that, and I think it's problematic, which is that we're coming out of it, like, and so we should be less worried about these sorts of things mm -hmm. when that's not true at all. Like, no. we're not at all, but, but the news, the good news that we're hearing, right, the reasons to be optimistic and everything, like, it really has so little to do with this sort of, rela like, relaxing these rules. It will not we should not be thinking about relaxing these rules for well and i have time. to say so the article i was talking about before by aaron bromage yeah i don't know how to say her name sorry it starts with a preamble of like people seem to be breathing a sigh of relief and i have no idea why yeah now she's also be talking from the states but yeah um it's but it's true here too. Like, we, like because this is not over. But we want it to be over, right? Yes, we desperately we want to take any. S when people say there's reason for, uh, you know, that we're opening things back up, we're whatever. Like these are seen as being very closely linked. I think in most of us. To. All, like everything is linked right like if you're opening up businesses that means that we're opening up other things too right like we should mm -hmm. be relaxing all these other things mm -hmm. i think that's what he doug ford feels right sure even and, and that's probably what the majority of people are feeling but my like upsetness at his actions yeah are because I understand that it's going to be very difficult to successfully reopen society. Yeah. And we have to do so very carefully and very thoughtfully and very measured, which is what he said mm -hmm. like a week ago mm -hmm. or two weeks ago. And it has to be done like understanding how transmission happens. Mm -hmm. And it has to be done with the public on side also understanding how transmission happens. Mm -hmm. And with that gaffe, Doug Ford like stuck a knife in my heart. <laughs> like he like none of that was on display there. He's not understanding the risks of how it's transmitted. He's not understanding <laughs> the importance of leadership, not understanding the importance of clear communication with the public. How many times have we read articles about how public health works yeah. and half of public health is communication? Yeah. No, 80% of public health is communication. Yeah. And he just, oh man, do I want to swear, but it's a family podcast. Like he did so it's much actually not a damage. Family. I don't think kids are listening to this, so I think you can swear if you want. I'm in a family, <laughs> family house. But the point, like, I'm just so mad. Yeah. Like, I feel like he did so much damage. Yeah. With that little yeah. action. The other piece that I'll just push back a little more, just to be pushy, backy. 
but that's the, fine. I'm angry. Uh, I will push right back. Good. <laughs> the uh, if you look, I I think what he was referring to, like opening up slowly and measured or whatever, it was comparing with like Quebec, for instance, with the, like starting school up. You know that you, that's mm. a dramatic, like a way more big step than having yeah. two Quebec people outside your household Quebec over for dinner. Quebec is being very irresponsible. But but I'm saying in the in the scope of how you could be handling this, right? No, but that's not what he was talking about. When we were talking about when he they released those plans, I don't even think Quebec's school reopening was part of it at that time. On the table okay. at that time. But anyways, but they they had some metrics in place for like when things like we're not going to do this until 90% of cases are being contact traced. We're right. not going to do this until right. like somebody. Who's they? Ontario or Ontario. Quebec? Ontario. Okay. Yeah. So like somebody was thinking through like we need measures to reopen that are not calendar dates. Right. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. yeah. No, Absolutely. So we need under 200 cases a day. That was another number being thrown around. Mm -hmm. Under 200 daily cases, which mm -hmm. we are not at. Mm -hmm. And 90% of contacts being traced. Like it just feels like they forgot about their own benchmarks. And people aren't talking about these benchmarks. Like I just... <sighs> I feel like we're going to rush it. And masks are, I think we need masks for enclosed spaces mm. for the reasons that we just talked about. Like I went, I had to, mm -hmm. I had to get blood drawn the other day. Mm -hmm. And so I was in this lab for, I don't know, like half an hour. Mm -hmm. 20 minutes or half an hour while I was waiting and then having my blood drawn and like everybody in that building almost was wearing a mask right which I felt very good about right but like had they not been I think that half an hour in a basement lab like mm -hmm. there's a risk there mm-hmm mm-hmm so, I don't know. Yeah, I think we need, I just think we need, somebody needs to come up with some clear guidance on how this thing spreads so that people have a pretty good understanding of what they can and can't do. Mm -hmm. And let, let us do everything we can do. Mm -hmm. Get those parks open, mm -hmm. like, which I guess they are. Mm -hmm. Get the playgrounds open. I think that could happen. I feel like that a case could be made for that. Yeah, I really don't understand. Like there were pictures of, I think it was in BC somewhere where the weather was really nice and there were people sitting on grass and people were posting pictures of like people out on an on the weekend sitting on grass saying, oh my God, I thought we were supposed to be social distancing. Yeah. And if you they really look, if you look at the people, like they aren't, yeah. like they're sitting in like pairs or three people together. Like I yeah. think it actually was, like if you take a picture, you're gonna see yeah. a group, like from let people have picnics. Yeah, if as long as the group is isolated a from the next group. group, yeah. 
and there's no I don't see but people want to get outraged about that like they just want to be like there's because I too many people out just period now yeah because I think nothing is nuanced here right yeah. the directions are keep two meters apart from people and then you'll be safe but that's not true indoors and there's more leeway outdoors like but even but I think even context if, matters yeah, but some people in their minds feel like that even two meters isn't enough or like well that's I not the only rule like you shouldn't be going to the I outside. also feel like there's this I, yeah you shouldn't be going outside exactly At so all. there's this like lockdown mentality like the strictest like lockdown only mentality. go to the grocery store once a week yeah exactly yeah like that's where we started and that's fair and we should have started there yeah, yeah, yeah we needed to take drastic measures yeah but i think once you kind of understand the scope of your outbreak yeah. and the more we learn about transmission yeah then and like if i'm wrong about that then uh, like i'll happily put the lid back on all of those things mm -hmm. like if outdoor transmission turns out to be, to be more of an issue mm -hmm. but evidence right now says not mm -hmm. again 70 to 80 percent of transmission occurs in households mm -hmm. so it's it's households it's public transit and this is community transmission mm -hmm. the vast number of cases or a lot of the cases are inside long-term care homes prisons and meat packing plants mm-hmm of course are what enclosed. is it with meatpacking but why is there another meatpacking plan now that's kept <sighs> somebody said that they have to well it's an enclosed space yeah somebody said they have to yell at each other over loud machines i read that somewhere i do not understand huh. meatpacking plans i do not know anything about them but that's what somebody said there's like a lot of yelling so like you're so there's like spittle spitting. and probably i guess if that's true mm. masks would be very hard to wear like mm. you couldn't wear masks and do your job probably mm. um and i've heard a lot of other not great things about meatpacking plants but mm. yeah those are the three places where outbreaks are super hard to control mm. and so there's just not a lot of transmission left to allocate to outdoor spaces once you take household spread public transit spread healthcare mm -hmm. spread prisons long-term care homes mm -hmm. meat packing plants like mm -hmm. there's just so little left to happen outdoors mm -hmm. that it probably has not been happening outdoors yeah so let's go outside so yeah, so that I just I really want I mean, I'm somebody who like jumps on things too quickly. So I'm happy if government officials take a bit of time to like think these things out and communicate them clearly, but I feel like it has to happen. People have to learn. We need bite-sized packets about how it's spread and how to stop it from spreading. Mhm. Mm in ways that allow us to still do things. Yeah. I, th I I get the sense that our public health people are just trying to keep it super simple. They think we're s 
I know, not but intelligent enough to understand those nuances. It's got to happen. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise we're not like our ability to contain this absolutely depends on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like if rather than have people like the same group of people over for dinner, you could if you did that out in the backyard you'd be fine but you sh- definitely shouldn't have those like if you have two people from outside your household you can meet with them in the backyard and stay p- away from At them two different tables yeah 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 <laughs> or like sit in a big circle in the backyard you know like you could have yeah you could do something like that i think people have been doing that i think people have been judging them for doing that yeah anyways yeah. i think we did it yeah tonight good oh goodness gracious i don't have a joke why do i why does this always catch me off guard did you had a joke oh no that one was not i was reading all kinds of jokes related weren't covid or quarantine related one of them was good (laughs) okay this isn't a joke Hmm. but this is amazing Mm mm-hmm Okay, I just searched quarantine life on Twitter. Mm. And somebody, oh, a doctor, said that her kids made an unsupervised Amazon purchase. Now they have five pounds of runts, those little (laughs) candies, and 288 boxes of pudding cups. (laughs) The pudding box arrived with labels that said heavy. That was the (laughs) first clue something was wrong. (laughs) (laughs) so that's amazing Uh, not a joke that's real life she included a picture uh, (laughs) good note hand up good night good night